We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome on in. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast for Thursday, August 25th. I'm your host, John McKechnie, joined as always by Mario Puig. We're getting into job battles. The last weekend of preseason is ahead of us. A lot of roster decisions are going to be made in the very, very near future. We're going to get into all the biggest news from around the league. A lot to get to on that front as well. Let's start the show. Welcome on in. This is the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. John McKechnie, Mario Puig, hanging out with you on this Thursday. This podcast presented to you by our friends over at Dynasty Owner. Mario, we're getting close. We're getting closer. It's st- the season, like still by virtue of starting, you know, after September 10th. It feels like it's still kind of far away, but it's really not. And we're really coming up on it. So uh, we got a lot to get to. And, and obviously, so, some news is constantly flowing at, at this time of the year. And unfortunately, that means a lot of the time some injury news. And uh, I want to start things off today with, with Thursday's. Uh, announcement from the Dallas Cowboys that the Tyron Smith, the left tackle, the, you know, kind of all world type of guy uh, has suffered an avulsion fracture. It came across Wednesday night that his ACL was intact. So there was some, some light optimism that maybe he had dodged uh, anything serious, but unfortunately that ends up not being the case. And, and, you know, this is a Cowboys offensive line that had, you know, kind of, it, it still had the reputation of, of being great, but it certainly hadn't been as good as it was like in the early uh, Dak and Zeke era, to, to be clear, and now losing Smith off of that, at, you know, at, at the most important position along the offensive line, you know, what, what does this mean for, for the Cowboys offense and, and then uh, specifically Ezekiel Elliott? Well, it's not good. It's bad. And it's unlikely Dallas can offset this with anything at their disposal at this point. I mean, maybe earlier in the offseason, maybe they'll, I don't know, I saw Riley Reef is like a backup for the for whatever team he got signed is that the bears that signed him. Uh, I don't know if there's somebody out there who's, who's got a tackle that Dallas can just kind of have helicoptered in at the last second, that first round pick Tyler Smith, he's going to be, I think really, really good, but they're starting him out at guard. Uh, not just out of respect for Tyron Smith at left tackle. Uh, it's that Tyler Smith is pretty raw himself and he's young. I uh, he just turned 21 in uh, April, I think. So that's a lot to uh, assume that they, 
that they can even just slide Tyler over to replace Tyron. And uh, therefore, we we might not really know who's starting at left tackle for them. It could be Tyler. I don't know. It could, they might have that whatever steal the right tackle move to left, something like that. I don't really mm-hmm. know. But uh, it's a scramble whatever way it goes, and they're not going to salvage it. You know, like they, they might be able to kind of like stop the bleeding, so to speak, but they won't be able to get like a plus rep over there this year. And, you know, looking at just kind of how they're going to have to approach things in general, you know, obviously the the receiving core has been fairly decimated with injuries and, and you know, offseason movement. Are we going to see Dallas kind of need to employ more two tight end sets this year to, to kind of make up for, you know, a the, the lack of receiving, you know, depth and then also, you know, get an extra blocker out there to, to help out uh, with the you know expected deficiency at one of the tackle spots? Yeah, I really don't know. We might, especially in light of the receiver personnel lacking as it is, maybe they'll try to be a little more run heavy than they were planning on previously. Uh, not just to, uh, I mean, mostly to protect Dak, I guess, but to also kind of keep defenses a little more run-minded and a little less quick to to just go into a uh, pass rush blitz, you know, running stunts and things like that that can cause a lot of problems on passing downs like maybe they maybe they try to get the ground game established and, and that might be a way to protect Tyler Smith too even if they're keeping him at guard I mean he he was a holding risk coming out of Tulsa basically because his technique is sloppy but uh it's a, it's a little easier to get by sloppy playing in the interior than it is on the edge so uh running the ball a little bit more it's it's kind of like a defensive it's like a retreat strategy but it mm-hmm. might be their best option at this point um but it's it's not good. They're they're lacking at a lot of important points of the roster. Their depth doesn't really exist anywhere except linebacker for some stupid reason. And uh, they, if not for Washington, I would think they're at risk of finishing last in the division, but no one's as bad as them. Yeah, no, Washington's, I, I would imagine, has that one uh, cinched up. So Octavio, our viewer here on, on the YouTube live stream, First off, comments uh, that Mario, you have a sick mustache. Uh, so, so congrats to you. And uh, then, John, to be serious, I think yours has become a little more powerful lately. I don't know if it's just this morning and you haven't looked in the mirror yet, but it's uh, <laughs> it's it seems to be uh, increasing its influence. Yeah, it's it's kind of going crazy th- these days. <laughs> uh, it, it's a it's a reflection of where I am mentally. So it's going crazy. I'm going crazy, and uh, you know. Here we are. I'm so. doing great. You can tell. <laughs> Always. Um, but That's why I have two different uh, sparkling water cans open in addition to my Mountain Dew energy can. Oh, we like that. We like that. I just got some large cup of water here. But I like a little Octavio. lazy Susan with uh, my soft drinks. Uh, sorry. But, yes. Um, but anyway, that soft, soft drink t- uh, talk will continue uh, shortly. But Octavio does want to know, like, kind of our, our final verdict in light of this news when, when it comes to the, this Dallas backfield. Like, are, do you expect Zeke's ADP to, to slide? Do you see this being something where, like, they, they have to use Pollard a little bit more just as, like, the, the short, quick uh, pass game goes to alleviate some of, like, the, the pressure concerns, uh, that, uh, you know, created by this offensive line? You know, what, what's going on with all of that, in your opinion? I'd expect Zeke to fall. Uh, I don't know if it – really makes that much sense i think it's worse for dak and uh i don't know dalton schultz is not a blocker which kind of 
saves him a little bit in fantasy because he'll never have to block because he's too bad at it. But uh, he he might get an even lower depth of target in light of this. Like Dalton Schultz can only run basically three kinds of functions all in the same area of the field. And the, the, the value of him before was kind of like, well, the defenses are sitting a little deep on Lamb and Cooper, but Dalton Schultz keeps getting them with these little hooks in the middle of the field and they're not ready for it. And we just kind of eke out these little chain moving drives sometimes when he's, when, when, you know, the, when the pass rush is otherwise not getting to Dak, but the scenario of the pass rush getting to Dak is more likely now. And either he's kind of just getting hit and the ball's not going anywhere, or they're getting rid of it a little sooner. And Schultz's target share is locked up, but he might have something ugly. It's like, I don't know. I, I don't think he's very good, first of all. And I think with this high exposure, uh, deteriorating circumstances, uh, this year with Cooper being gone and the offensive line getting worse, I could imagine Schultz averaging something like 6.3 yards per target, like uh, basically like Pat Fryermuth box score, but Fryermuth is actually good, and Schultz, in my opinion, is just kind of like an up-jumped backup. So I think Dak is in trouble. As someone who has like 30% CD Lamb in my best ball portfolio, I think I'm going to – not that I'm worried about him, but as someone who has almost a third share – percentage i'm going to not really try to acquire more there because i'm, I'm kind of i got enough uh mm-hmm. and i don't think it's going to hurt him but it, it is admittedly a little more not likely exactly but it's 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 a little bit more of a threat um zeke i think is kind of going to be fine but it, it, like the, the background there is i largely didn't think he was going to be a high yards per carry guy anyway so if they run a little bit more i would sooner think that's to his benefit because i would think that the the volume would offset any yards per carry uh regression in light of the Tyron Smith injury. So uh, I don't have Zeke exposure this year. That's not because I've tried to actively avoid him. Uh, so that's, that's another disclaimer there. Like I'm, I'm not putting money on Zeke yet, but uh, the few remaining drafts that I have, if he starts falling, I might try now because I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's grounds for projecting a much lower than what you ever had in the first place. Julia chimes in uh, our, one of our uh, stalwart uh, viewers morning julia uh, i know we, we switched up the time on you i was getting worried that we hadn't heard from julia just yet, but, but, but we're we're here we're in it's all good um but yeah i mean how far do you think that that zeke fa- realistically falls like half around like it, it like an early fifth type of consideration see, so i guess there's the weird thing about that situation is i feel like him Brees hall and cam Akers all were going in the same spot and there's just kind of like gloom about all three right now so yeah. I don't know if those three all sliding means receivers go up or some tight ends go up or if other running backs go up. I have seen Elijah Mitchell, Elijah Mitchell make a little bit of a surge in a couple draft that might be total flukes, but uh, it would make sense if people started paying attention more to that situation, even for no reason and started taking Elijah Mitchell a little earlier. But other than him, it's like Josh Jacobs is falling. Antonio Gibson is falling. People hate Rashad Penny too much to let him get, too inflated uh, I guess it's like the receivers or some quarterbacks got to start filling that void if Zeke falls but as someone who doesn't have much of Brees Hall and has no Ezekiel Elliott I would definitely be interested in taking them if they start falling into especially like the late fifth or maybe even the sixth in some if he gets a bunch of like wide receiver heavy drafters so in that range I don't think the risk is meaningful at all even if the, the upside might be a tiny bit limited Okay. All right. That, that makes sense. And, and, oh, yeah, and on Pollard, sorry. Uh, I don't think Pollard, like they already needed to use Pollard more at receiver to offset their, their lacking personnel there. So 
the more Pollard plays receiver, the better for Zeke. And I think to uncertain effect for Pollard, like it's probably not bad, but I don't know if he'll actually do better with wide receiver reps than running reps because higher catch percentage at running back, uh, lower routes, you get carries at running back. You won't really at receiver, et cetera. Right. So, so like it, it, it sounds cool in theory, but in, in fantasy practice, it doesn't really like turn out to like boost his stock um, all that much. Um, let's see here. A couple other items. Uh, Greg wants to know if he's crazy uh, for having Stefan Diggs ranked as his number two wide receiver this year. No, I mean, I, I don't, but if, if Diggs has the season that he did two years ago, he could be the wide receiver one. Like that's not even, um, that's not outlandish. And I think there, there is, there is maybe some enduring regression in Josh Allen's numbers from last year relative to the year before, because his, his uh, completion percentage dropped a little bit and his yards per attempt dropped a lot. And that was largely at the expense of Diggs. It was, it was more so the drain that Cole Beasley was on the offense, but Diggs lost a little bit in, in those two, between those two seasons. So right. either that could correct back to what it was two years ago, or it could stay the same. And at worst, he's, you know, in that like wide receiver three, wide receiver four territory. And once you're there, it only takes, you know, one or two missed games for the guys ahead of him for him to technically finish first. So I like digs a lot. I don't have a ton of digs, but the only reason I don't is because I basically try to rotate evenly between him, Devonte Adams and CD lamb. Okay. Yeah. I don't have much of digs either. I might, I might have zero shares at this point. And, and again, you know, with, with these guys that go super early in drafts, it's not totally like intentional. Uh, sometimes you just simply don't have a shot at, at a certain player yeah. with, with how the drafts turn out. Um, but you know, is, is there, I guess I have taken a fair amount of, of Adams though. And I just wonder like when it comes to digs, you know, how does this all like marry up with, you know, just the idea of a Gabriel Davis breakout, you know, having being someone who like can't be ignored in the, in this offense, not necessarily taking like a ton of targets off of Diggs's plate. Um, but, but enough to where it, it lowers Diggs' ceiling a little bit. I think it's more that uh, clearing out Beasley is is where it's it's all key because Beasley was a drain on the offense. He he was getting quite a bit of usage and it was just going absolutely nowhere. Uh, it was him and it was Devin Singletary in the passing game were complete drains on the Buffalo offense. While Diggs uh, saw regression from the prior year in terms of his efficiency, but he was still good. Like he was still setting the team baseline in an extremely high volume role. So I think. Uh, you know, people people were trying to find reasons to hype up Jamison Crowder, and now they've kind of stopped doing that, moved on to Isaiah McKenzie and even Khalil Shakir. But what I kind of think is that this offense might run more too tight end than people expect. Uh, O.J. Howard, I mean, maybe he's not the same guy after his Achilles tear. I don't know. But this is a guy who runs a 4-5-3-40 at like 250 pounds, and he's 6'6". There is absolutely nothing other than maybe like, you know, four-yard curl routes and and – uh, shovel pass screen pass setups with lead blockers or whatever. There's nothing that Dawson Knox does as well as OJ Howard. And yet Dawson Knox is clearly not headed to the bench. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if part of getting these running backs in the passing game going more too might have to do with setting up more. They don't, they don't really have eye formation personnel. Or at least I don't know if they have a fullback, but they could run a lot of two tight end and that would set up more advantageous running looks. It sets up better like screen pass setups for the running backs so basically, I see less activity at the third receiver spot in Buffalo this year, the third and, if necessary, the fourth receiver spot to kind of 
give Davis just enough usage that he can be there. Uh, I don't know what you'd call him exactly, but I, th- I think he'll be very busy in the red zone. Like I think Davis could have something like 35 fewer catches than Diggs, maybe even like 40 and uh, still have four or five more touchdowns than Diggs. So mm-hmm. that that's the kind of game you're playing with Davis. I think is you understand that it's target volume is, is capped as long as Diggs is on the field. But either Josh Allen starts throwing fewer touchdowns or Diggs, or sorry, or Davis has um, upwards of like 12 touchdowns for every 80 catches that he makes. Okay. All right. So that, that's a good breakdown on, on how things might look in, in Buffalo. That's an interesting point, especially as, as it pertains to uh, that, that number three uh, receiver role. Uh, I love Shakir, quite- but uh, OJ Howard, I mean, he's, he's a very talented player. He had a touchdown right in the in the. Yeah, he did some kind of preseason thing when Denver played all their backups or whatever. Yes, yes. Uh, One more question here, and then we're going to stick in Buffalo, get into the backfield a little bit more. But Julia wants to know, do you think Zeke uh, will get re-signed, or do you think that Dallas lets him walk, or would a trade uh, be a possibility during the season? I think with running backs, a trade – I mean, NFL trade deadline just is not nearly as exciting as the other major sports. It's just so hard to get – acclimated and, and a position uh, like running back. That is one where like the, the learning, the new scheme probably isn't quite as difficult. Um, so yeah, they're not going to trade him, but uh, they might. It, the other thing is his contract has like four more years technically. So they'll have to cut him after any of the upcoming seasons to get rid of him. Yeah. So he, he's probably sticking and just uh, the, the contract will uh, age rather poorly for, for Dallas, uh, probably in, in all likelihood. Uh, before we get on over to, to Buffalo, got a quick message from our sponsors over at Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. To Buffalo we go. To Buffalo we stay. So what is your latest read on, you know, one of the more difficult backfields to uh, analyze in, in all of football that this year? Um, that's the Bills with, you know, the trio of Devin Singletary, James Cook, the, the buzzy rookie, and, and Zach Moss. You know, of those three at, at ADP, you know, what, what's going on as far as what, what the rotation might look like in, in your mind? And, you know, are, are you jumping in uh, with some shares on any of these guys? Not really. If I'm going to take one, it's probably Zach Moss just because he's so cheap or you know, so much more cheaper than the other two. Uh, I do think Singletary is clearly. I do think Singletary is clearly ahead of James Cook too, and yet you often see Cook go ahead of Singletary and by quite a bit. You often see Cook go ahead of, I don't know, dozen players who are going to have 300, 400 more snaps from scrimmage this year than he will. It's pretty insane, and I think it's pretty clearly the case that people uh, who don't really follow football that closely, or at least have not followed prospects that closely. Uh, just kind of looking at uh, like model friendly variables such as draft capital status and uh, whatever. Uh, certainly the, the projected points per game for the Bills is, is a draw, I think, but that applies to all three of the players. And yet you only see Cook be the one who, who like gets helium from it. Devin Singletary, uh, people correctly look at times for reasons to kind of doubt him or, or perceive limited upside with him. I'm certainly one of those people. But with Cook, you see people kind of just taking leaps and, and not many or not most people, but enough people take the leap of faith that like, oh, this could be the next Christian McCaffrey. That's the kind of upside that it, he he's Dalvin Cook's brother and he's a second round pick. And I know from reading my very smart uh, analytics uh, blogs and such that a second round draft capital is enormous expense and only a foolish team would take a second round running back without giving them 300 carries and breaking their legs under the labor as soon as possible. And I was like, no. Sometimes players just don't play that much, even if they're late second round pick running back. Sometimes they are just gadget players. Sometimes they're just decoy players. Sometimes they're just luxury picks. Sometimes they're just stupid picks that no one thought about long enough. There's a lot of precedent for a player of Cook's profile doing basically nothing in the NFL. And yet you see people kind of just uh, thinking that, you know, because he was 199 pounds and Christian McCaffrey was 204 at the combine. It's like, A, Christian McCaffrey got like 35 touches per game in college. And B, have you seen his biceps lately? He's not the same built guy as he was at the Combine uh, in 2017 or whatever. So there's just a lot of, I think, uh, basically fan fiction filling in the narrative blanks on where the, the unknowns are with, with James Cook. And those people propel his market so high that I am just completely disinterested in it. Granted, in full point PPR... And, uh, you know, in redraft things, if you're taking him just to prepare to put him on the bench and hope Singletary gets hurt or something like that, that'd be one thing. But even that case to me seems a little optimistic because he had his highest workload in college over the course of a season was seven and a half carries per game and 1.8 catches per game. Now, uh, maybe you can just times that by two and a half and get the same result and maybe he won't get hurt and maybe he'll just look like Dalvin cook for some reason. Uh, it just seems like a lot of leaps of faith to me. And I think 
it's more likely he plays something like 350 snaps this year. And yeah, he'll do a lot of yards per carry. He'll do a lot of yards per target. He might score a lot of touchdowns per snap or something like that, but he is a sub package player. He is not a volume player. It's not on the table. And uh, a lot of people, the, the ones who tend to draft him highest simply don't subscribe to that. They simply just say like, no running backs can be flattened as a group and made to be, you know, replaceable in every sense. It's like, no, you need Dalvin cook traits to be Dalvin cook. And you need a running back who can handle 12 carries a game to give him 12 carries a game. And cook hasn't demonstrated eight. So, uh, I think Moss is also the other thing is, is as far as the pass catching goes with this uh, offense and its running backs, they for structural reasons couldn't get anything going as pass catchers. Like the, the play design, the, the ways that Brian Dable would set up the offense uh, to, to leverage the field against the defense had to do with putting the running backs in route positions that weren't advantageous. And what I mean by that is there's the, the, the running back target quality in this offense before was pretty bad because it was always like, the play fell apart and that's why we're throwing right. it to the running back and the running back, even he's got a linebacker closing in on him. It's almost a hospital ball as it is like, that's the kind of setups that would happen. So if they're going to implement cook at all as a pass catcher, they need to restructure the offense. And I think that's kind of where OJ Howard comes in, but this is, this is the thing that no one remembers. If the offense changes its structure to make pass catching production more viable from the running back position, that's not something that just benefits cook. That's something that benefits all of them and especially Moss. Because Moss is a really good pass catcher. Moss was a, a volume and efficiency pass catcher at Utah. He can do it. If they're setting up pass catching opportunities, he's a threat to take some. And Cook's current ADP, the ADP it's been basically since he got drafted, does not suppose that's a possibility. It precludes it as a possibility. So um, obviously I could just be totally wrong, and uh, that wouldn't be the first time it's ever happened. But I don't think there's anything tangible to the Cook market. I think it's all fan fiction. Julia does say it's cook time, so I think you're toast there, Mario. Uh, I guess Buffalo's toast, and and uh, James Cook is toast because uh, that would be the first time he's ever had more than seven and a half carries per game in a season. Uh, correct. Uh, yeah. specifically, specifically, nine touches from scrimmage per game in a season. Yeah, I mean, you know, with, with Cook, like I I see the appeal in some senses, but like just the, the sheer lack of sample that we have, I mean, just one season of over hundred carries and it took until a senior year to, to get there, despite being like a five-star running back. Georgia wanted to take it easy on everybody. They were like, we can't, it's unfair if we give James cook the ball nine times, we have to give it to Zamir white 15 times. Cause that's, we're just good guys like that. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, well, I guess, a lot of the time, especially last year, they would just kind of empty the bench in the, in the second half because they were just steamrolling whomever. Um, but, I don't know, Cook, Cook has some exciting stuff. Well, that's to the him, only but... time he played his first three years, you know? Right, true. Um, <laughs> I, I just I just think, uh, you know, when, when it comes to Cook, like it, I, I think that you're completely right in the sense that he, there's just not going to be the volume. So you're counting on all these big explosive plays from him to, to kind of offset it and relying on, on – those type of things I think is mostly bad process. He might have less than a hundred carries this year and he might have fewer than 40 catches and he would, he could be very efficient with that workload and still just not even sniff the upside or consistency that the people who drive his market have in mind. Yeah. So redraft, I have zero interest best ball. I might get a share just for the hell of it. Um, but that that's about the, the extent of it for, for me. Um, let's keep it. Let's keep this the dog's corner for now. Let's talk about Zamir White a little bit. So, since you uh, posted your article that the Raiders have since jettisoned 
Kenyon Drake. Just like I um, told them to, they heard me. See, they, they listen. I, I, I like to think that Mark Davis is listening right now. Mark, your hair is looking great. We have he's at the, he's at the barber shop. He's at the salon. Oh, he's always there. He, he's one of those guys who gets this haircut like once a week because he's just he's a hairhead. Yeah, big into that. And if he's not at the salon, he's at P.F. Chang's. And, uh, you know, that that's that's. that's oh, is that where they there. saw him? Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty you get sure. rich, you gotta, you know, go to PF Chang's. You gotta have the bang bang chicken. Um, anyway, anyway uh, Zamir White, yeah, uh, Kenyon Drake. That that's such a hilarious parting gift from John Gruden, like getting them to pay like eleven million dollars for one year of Kenyon Drake being the worst passing down specialist anyone has ever seen. <laughs> uh, props to Kenyon Drake. That's awesome. Uh, getting getting that much money as a running back secured. for just not doing anything really. Uh, we'd love to see it. Um, I guess Raiders fans don't love to see it, but they're they're fine at running back. I mean, Josh Jacobs. People keep people people keep looking for reasons to write off Josh Jacobs, and it's like, look, I I would be among those people trying to do that if it if it seemed like it was a good idea. I mean, I was I was definitely anti Jacobs as a draft pick, but uh, he's gonna get. I don't know, 17, 18 carries a game until or if he breaks. And then Zamir White, uh, probably playing like six to eight to 10 carries per game prior to that point, might get up to like 15 or 16 himself. But the thing you got to keep in mind with Zamir White is he's he's kind of um, relatively high runner who makes his living between the tackles specifically and being like a high motor runner between the tackles specifically. So I think he's going to be effective with his carries. But you got to worry a little bit about a guy like that getting hurt, especially if you put his carry volume too high uh, for any extended period of time. It's like if you're if you're going to be a between the tackle specialist, we want you to be densely built, and he's not. And uh, he, he's he's a good he's skilled as a runner. Like when he has a football, he's good at running away from people. But he, he's a little more setup delicate and, and volume limited, I think, than some people tend to tend to analyze with running backs tend to consider with running backs these days there's a lot of indifference like you know just just plug in any running back they're the same running backs don't matter and it's like no they have features they have traits they have limitations they have strengths and uh white to me is pretty clearly a guy that can give you 20 good snaps per game at least but maybe not not for a month or two anyway more than 35 snaps per game you know it's like if if he's if he's got to be a workhorse for them in a playoff run yeah he can do that but um if they start giving him like 15 carries a game uh, right out of the gates, that's when you worry about him getting hurt like he did at Georgia. So uh, I do think Brandon uh, uh, Amir Abdullah probably plays something annoying, like 20, 25 snaps a game. So uh, PPR leagues, I guess you can keep him in mind. But I, I think Zamir White is mostly going to be like a six to eight carry per game player. And if Jacobs gets hurt, I, I still think he'd split the carries a little bit. But with whom Brandon Bolden anybody uh Brandon Bolden yeah Amir Abdullah I mean if they if they put White out there and give him 20 carries a game in the NFL and they use him between the tackles that's just begging for trouble yeah uh likely the case and and you know to me obviously I've known about Zamir White for like five years so uh (laughs) but he is explosive I mean he could he could be tantalizing for the for the reason of you know he can break a few big plays on a small carry sample and he, he can go into week three with like 18 carries uh, for 130 yards or something, you know, like he, he can, if he has a lane, he is pretty fast and he definitely runs really hard. So 
Uh, he, he's threatening from scrimmage, even if he can't, even if I'm right to say that he, he has a snap limit. Yeah, uh, I just, uh, I, I'm picturing an alternate timeline in which Samir White didn't tear both of his ACLs uh, earlier in his career because his high school tape was uh, silly. Yeah, he can run. Some guys can't run. Like Brian Robinson can't run. Tyrion Davis Price can't run. Zamir White can run. Yeah, no, for for sure. Um, so you know that. I guess at, at the end of the day, like I, I, I might be lightly more in. I might need to get like a couple more Josh Jacobs shares. I, I liked you know when I, we were talking about him earlier in the offseason, I was like, well, they're they're not picking up his option. They might just try to run him into the ground. I don't know. I still think that that could certainly be the case. I don't know. Yeah, and he's totally decent, too. The Raiders, whatever problems they have, Josh Jacobs is not among them. They're not going in like, God, how do we get the ball away from that guy? They're, they're, they're thinking like, all right, Jacobs is fine. Do we want to give him $12 million a year? No. It's like, oh, but he's fine. Let's, who cares? Anyway, next thing. Like That's that's how much they care. And then uh, let, let's see here. Uh, Julia notes uh, that, you know, uh, Jacobs you know, might, might get his – touches eaten into on, on third downs, but it's like, if you're the Raiders, do you, unless it's third and short, do you really want to be running the ball? Jacobs is, I mean, you have Jacobs Devontae Adams guys. and Renfro oh. now, like you have third a guy, his nickname is third and Renfro. They're going to yes. throw it to him. It Sorry, doesn't uh, really affect Jacobs. Yeah. Jacobs is one of those guys who gets a lot of touches per snap because he does so much rushing work and you'll wear him out. If you give him more than like 35 snaps a game, cause he, he gets to 20 carries as fast as anybody, basically. Like if he's if he's logging 40 snaps, he's a threat to push for like 30 carries in a game. So they're gonna work him into the ground as a runner alone. This this offense, I really think McDaniels has something of like a chip Kelly kind of you know uh, hybrid of that sort of approach where he's he he fixates on the tempo and he fixates on using the run in the context of a tired defense on its heels and, and both bashing them with like physical dominance. And when you, when you feel them in the retreat, you hit the tempo to make them feel like they're drowning and just running out of running out of air. And that requires a lot of reps. You end up playing games with 77 snaps, 82 snaps on offense, which is really high for the NFL. And when you do, you can't make Josh Jacobs play 65 snaps. You need guys like Amir Abdullah to play 2025 or else you'll break Jacobs too. So um, I don't, I don't think those two are really relevant for Jacobs to be honest. Yeah. I'm not sure that I am uh, either. All right, let's go on ahead uh, before we get into our next job battle. Got a message from our friends over at dynasty owner deal of fantasy sports. Are you ready for a new challenge this year? Dynasty Owner is the new way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries, adding the strategy of running an actual franchise. Dynasty Owner provides a unique and challenging experience that will test your skills as an owner and general manager. You'll have complete control over your team's future. You can build through the draft, make trades, sign free agents, and manage your team's salary cap. Can you create a dynasty of champions? Sign up now at dynastyowner.com and use promo code ROTO5, that's R-O-T-O-5, to receive $5 off any new team. Again, that's R-O-T-O-5. We got a message from our friends over at Fantrax. Is there something you wish your fantasy league had or features that are missing from your current leagues, bonus scoring, custom schedules or playoffs, deeper team settings? Well, look no further because we have you covered with our friends at Fantrax. 
Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Join MLB All-Star Jock Peterson, who recently announced he's moving his fantasy football leagues to Fantrax. Fantrax is excited to announce the Fantrax Game Day Experience Giveaway. Fantrax will be sending one lucky fantasy football league to a regular season NFL game of their choice, along with $6,000 towards travel and accommodations. All you have to do is enter the giveaway and create or join a league on Fantrax. The more leagues you create and join, the more chances you have to win. Here's the reason why fantasy players who try Fantrax make it the permanent home for all their fantasy leagues. Go to Fantrax.com slash Rotowire and sign up today. Again, that's Fantrax.com slash Rotowire. All right, Mario, let's steer things over to Balmer, to Charm City. I know the Orioles are, are hot in the streets right now, but the Ravens, obviously, they've got a, a you know, huge season ahead of them as well. And it continues to look fairly bleak as far as the receiving core is concerned. I believe they just signed Demarcus Robinson, and he's might actually have to play a decent bit. I mean, if, first off, am I, am I wrong on, on that presumption? Uh, God, I hope. I hope you're wrong. Uh, if they, I th- I'm thinking, hoping this is one of those things where they they sign the guy because they're like, hey, we saw him on the Chiefs. He had some plays on the Chiefs, right? He he might be pretty good, right? And if you bring him into camp or bring him into practice, and you still think he might be pretty good, then we have a problem because you you know it's it's probably not great what you have to work with, uh, be it receiver personnel or you know brain power. Uh, Demarcus Robinson is a complete forfeit rep. If you put him on the field, you're playing 10 on 11. Well, I mean, that's the case for pretty much everyone outside of the top three uh, of Baltimore's receivers right now. I mean, like, it, it, you know, is it Shamar Bridges? Is it Benjamin Victor? Oh, yeah. Tylen Wallace, I think. Oh, it might wait, be wait, wait. Um, what about, uh, is, did, they, did they cut uh, Bailey Gather yet? Yes, and the Giants ah. picked him up. Yes. I was hoping, they, I was hoping uh, Bailey Gather would uh, be the thing especially after roasting Kyle Hamilton in that one play. Uh, but yeah, I, I think um, if, if they need just Hamilton, kind of, I think Hamilton's uh, not looked so good so far. I've heard different things, but it's, he's got limitations for sure. Uh, but in any case, uh, I, I really hope the Ravens find something better to do with that because just keep like six tight ends or something. I don't know. Keep, keep nine corners, do anything else, but have Demarcus Robinson on the roster. Um, well, if they have him, I, I would hope it's at the very most just kind of like limited to run blocking or whatever, playing in garbage time, hopefully. They're going to, I mean, they're going to need to um, just like pilfer the pile uh, of uh, wide receiver cuts around the league. I'm more opinion. worried about running back if, if, I don't know if, what the Gus Edwards thing is, but if they're playing Mike Davis, that's kind of concerning. I'm a, I'm a little bit concerned about the Ravens. I mean, I, I, yeah. uh, I'm a big Lamar fan. I'm even a fan of Isaiah Likely, who I assume we'll get to in a second. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, Greg Roman is just a, an absolute fiend. Uh, that guy, that guy has has killed better offenses than this one. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's like, including last year's, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's it's uh, it's crazy. But you know, I think you know Roman obviously has a lot of uh, issues, but I think that, you know, he can scheme the run pretty well. I do agree with you where the running back depth is problematic, especially if Gus Edwards is going to be missing at least the first month of the season, which appears to be the case. Um, 
Tyler Beatty. I thought he looked kind of interesting on, on a Sunday night. Play a little Cardinals. Bit. The, the box yeah. score will tell you completely otherwise, but I, I thought that he had a little bit of bounce in his step. I thought he looked okay. So I wouldn't like hate having him at least. He could be like a Boston Scott kind of guy sure. or something. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't wouldn't mind that, but you know, again, that that you know, where does the pressure end up running to? It's you know that you're going to have to give a lot to J.K. Dobbins, who's coming off the knee injury and like still might not be trusting it. I mean that that to me is, is you know the 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 top of not the tip of the iceberg, but like the top of the mountain as far as the the concerns go. Like it, if- J.K. Dobbins is is having to not play that much, or if he gets overplayed and gets injured again, like this team is sunk yet again. And if Duvernay's not on the field, they are probably, if not for Lamar, they would be the slowest offense in the league, probably aside from the Chargers. But uh, yeah, Lamar would be the only person running less than a running any better than a four five or sorry a four four uh, seven or something, whatever Bateman was. So yeah, I I'm concerned uh, if they if they go that slow, then they need to go big. And they need to be able to actually dominate on the ground because they're not going to be able to push the safeties back. The safeties are going to get closer and they they just need to find a way to win anyway, if that's the case. So uh, I don't know how you do it with, you know, if they had Gus Edwards and and Dobbins healthy, I'd say like, yeah, they'll that'll work. But uh, Mike Davis, even Tyler Beatty, who even though I think Beatty could be pretty good, is like that's that's playing it pretty narrow, playing it pretty risky. Uh, So I'm worried about them. I'm I'm not really drafting Ravens a whole lot, but uh, I was, was going to say, Isaiah, Isaiah Likely obviously is is the guy everybody's buzzing about with with the Ravens, and I'm not entirely against it. I wanted to believe Isaiah Likely was the best tight end in the draft, actually, before he had his really bad athletic testing. When, and his, by bad, I mean it was like at 6'5", 238, he ran like a 4.83 Pro Day 40, which could be as bad as like a 4.9 Combine that's, 40. That's I, Isaac Nata territory. Yeah, and Isaiah like at, at two thirty eight, he's skinny too. By the way, like he's he's not going to be much of a blocker. The one way he might be useful as a blocker is if he is just enough of a receiving threat from be it in line or the slot. I guess ideally more like a slot or you know a, a two tight end strong side kind of thing where he's the second tight end. If he can give them win winning reps as a run blocker from that look, uh, he can get them in that run setup where they really can just bully the defense, even though they're slow as an offense. And even if they don't have great running backs. So the, the thing about likely that's interesting is his, his production says that he is skilled. Uh, yes. Like he, he's, he knows how to get open. He knows how to position himself where the quarterback, he, he must know what the quarterback's thinking. He's, he's one of those guys that drew targets so rapidly that it's, it, there's something there, even if he's kind of slow, you know, right. if he's running as I the, think- I think that like that there's some parallels to like the offense he played in in college. Uh, uh, oh yeah, probably Ravens. You know, like in, in the sense that Coastal was an explosive offense that didn't throw the ball much, but they were getting you know like 12 yards per attempt. They were like you know, 30 pass attempts per game or something. Yeah, so, something in the, in that neighborhood, and and you know, so defenses knew that the ball was going either to Isaiah Likely or Javon Hiley, and they still couldn't stop likely whatsoever over, over those last two years. So, I mean, I, I think that, yes, it, it's unfortunate that, that the athleticism didn't turn out to be uh, what we hoped, but I think that to your point, he's a skilled pass catcher. And I think that th- this is a nice fit for him in the sense that Baltimore just doesn't really have pass catching talent outside of uh, Mark Andrews and uh, Rashad Bateman. So I think, but by, by necessity, 
they might need to play him a lot and target him a lot in this offense. And, you know, I could see Roman having no problem, no qualms with like running, going medieval, going three tight end sets, like having Boyle blocking and then, you know, Andrews and and uh, likely just being big guys that the defense has to account for a little bit further down the field than they normally would. Yeah. And we're likely interesting as, as a, as a, you know, a, 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 his function is not going to be, in my opinion, so much volume as a pass catcher. But what he does is when the defense sees him go into the huddle, they look at this guy, this 238 pound tight end, and they, they can either think oh, it's, they're going run heavy. Let's put a linebacker on him. Or they can think, you know, he's slow. Let's put a linebacker on him. And he might be slow, but he runs routes and he gets open as if he isn't really. So if, if in that situation against a linebacker, if likely can win a pass rep, he gives the defense something to think about the next time they see him go into the huddle and maybe they put a linebacker on him again. Maybe he just beats them again if they do. But if they want to counter that pass catching threat that's been established, they might sacrifice the linebacker's size and run setting ability for a safety or even like a big corner or a slot corner. And then you run on them until they give up and put a you know slow linebacker on him again. So they can kind of just keep the defense uncomfortable uh, using him as a way to kind of like put the defense in a, in a situation where they, they kind of have to sacrifice something in their personnel that the Ravens mm-hmm. can then take advantage of. And it, it does add up to me. If they have a base offense of likely Andrews, Duvernay and Bateman, I think that can work. Uh, even if, even if Boyle is in for likely a bunch of the times. Yeah. And you know, Boyle, all accounts, including his own say that, you know, he's in, leaps and bounds better condition than, than he was a year ago. The knee injury that he suffered against the Patriots two years ago was, I mean, I, I thought it was a wrap for, for his career. So, I mean, uh, he can still block if he's, you know, even 90% of, of what he was a couple of years ago. So he's going to be useful and he is going to take snaps like, like, like you mentioned, but I, I don't know if necessarily it hurts likely if they just need, Guys, I think likely. I think likely is more valuable in real life than fantasy. I guess I should say. Okay. Like, if Andrews got hurt, then you know, all bets, all bets are off, and and including like likely could just go off in that case. But uh, I think, I, like, I saw someone take him in the thirteenth round or something like that of a best ball draft recently. I don't know if I would take him in the eight. I mean, I would take him in the eighteenth over some other options if it were down that far. But. If if not for an Andrews injury, I don't see how likely gets over four hundred yards this year. And I think he's I like him like I don't I think he could have a really good season giving the Ravens like 280 320 yards especially if he is having that personnel effect like I was talking about and you you were correct to mention too they could do three tight ends and not just like jumbo formations they could do stuff like have Nick Boyle be the inline tight end likely in the slot and then Andrews at receiver you can almost like run trips with these guys mm-hmm. so at I'm expecting some some real funk. Um, so th- th- this I hope so. They plays to Roman's sick sick mind. <laughs> but, Roman, you freak! Try to try to do something right this year. Yeah, my God, they're running 13 all game. Trips with base. three tight ends could be pretty sick, actually, especially with Lamar out there. Yeah, I mean that's a lot of big bodies getting in the way of people, and then Lamar just darting through, and then Lamar uh, he looks pretty yoked. Uh, these days. So I, I, I hope he hasn't lost any speed. I hope Bates but... Lamar can transcend this, this clown offense of, of Roman. And uh, yeah, hope, hopefully Lamar can get MVP number two this year. Anyway, that would, uh, you know, I w- wouldn't be too mad about that one. So 
when it comes to you know the the type of tight ends that are going roughly around where, where likely is going and, and with best ball it's important and obviously you know this but like you know it could be something as simple as like this guy's drafting his like 15th best ball team and like you know he's not beholden to adp like he just wants right, to yeah. share where, where he where he can get it um but all right so guys like no fan david and joku um gerald everett uh or evan ingram like or even Robert Tunyon, like, do you think likely is someone that you would consider any of over that group? Because that, that group just like has been something I've largely skipped over. And I know that we, we've talked about it. Um, a bunch I would not, I don't think he should be ahead of, I think Ingram needs to be way ahead. Everett, I'm so much lower on than most people. I just can't even really talk responsibly about him. I think he's awful. So uh, maybe likely over Gerald Everett. I don't know. Uh, even that's kind of pushing it to me as an Everett hater. Uh, Njoku should be far, far ahead, maybe even ahead of all of those guys. Uh, I think Njoku's, as much as I think that even if Nathaniel Hackett is a complete moron, and I do believe that, and even if he's got something against Albert Equegwinham, I think my Albert Equegwinham shares are going to work out fine. But I do kind of wish I could turn a few of them into David Njoku, not just because of the Watson thing, although that certainly is a big part of it. Even six games is a big part of it. Uh, but I just, I just think Njoku's a, a good player who, who people have kind of forgotten about. And he, he would sometimes be in like that 14th kind of round range. Uh, but if you're in a third, if you're in one of those like 30 round NFFC things, then Isaiah Lakely should definitely go no later than like the 19th or something like that. But um, in, in 18 round half point PPR, I don't, I don't think I would pick him. Okay. Um, so, the, so more in the, in the underdog landscape uh, you mean, but it, uh, I tried to get him on, on a DraftKings best ball last week. I think I mentioned it on, on the pod, and I I was like, oh, I'm so smart. I'm going to wait and spend my last pick on him. And then, nope. So, uh, and, you know, the, the stonks have gone up even since. What then. round was that? Do you remember? Uh, I was, it was 20, 20 rounds on DraftKings. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that was a good pickup then. Uh, I think in point per reception, it's a little it's easy. Not to rule out touchdowns because Lamar scores touchdowns, but uh, I just figured like Andrews and, you know, even Bateman and the running backs kind of eat up a lot of it. Yeah, I, I can just I can like feel this in my chest right now. I'm ready to get had like irresponsibly <laughs> high hopes for, for Isaiah likely this year. If he had so much as run a four, seven, five, he would have been like a second round pick to me. So it is there. There are rare cases where guys just kind of test badly for no good reason in ways that don't uh, uh, you know correlate to their on field functional athleticism. <laughs> So if that's the case with likely, then at that point, there's no reason he can't be a starter in the league and like a good one. Look, I'll, I'll even create a, a narrative that doesn't exist that he ran it on like a tweaked hamstring or something. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, uh, <laughs> he had to wear someone else's shoes that day. Yeah, he had to wear uh, Grayson McCall's uh, shoes, which have mullets on them. And that, you know, puts a, a drag on the aerodynamics. Oh, um, and kills you with those. Oh man, yeah, it's it's those are for for fashion, not for function. Um, yeah, a couple questions here from Julia pertaining to our discussion here. Uh, quickly, Mario, are you not high on James Prochet? I, I don't think that he's a speed guy, um, but he's no. a, he's a really good possession guy. I think he's a slot good. guy. I think it's him that likely takes from. So the more likely plays, I think the less Prochet does. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, Pro- Prochet, like, still lightly interested in, in PPR, but he's been banged up um, a lot in camp. But I, I think that he could be, like, their their best slot guy. But, again, you know, we just talked about them just kind of eschewing the traditional slot receiver and maybe using uh, tight ends there instead. And then uh, looking ahead for Dynasty, Bellinger, Isaiah Likely, Brevin Jordan, or John Bates? I don't mean to skip Bellinger exactly. I think he's interesting because there's not many. really like him. There's not many 250 pound tight ends who run a 4.63. And I I saw some stuff about people saying, like, oh, he's dropping passes in camp. Ricky Seals Jones is the number one tight end. Like, rookie tight ends struggle sometimes, but Bellinger can block. Seals Jones cannot. And I have only seen Seals Jones struggle in the regular season. So, whatever. I think, I think Bellinger is their starting tight end. And uh, I'm not expecting a whole lot with it, but if those tools develop, especially there's no reason he like, he should be at least as good as Dawson Knox. I I'm not that high on Dawson Knox, but Bellinger should be able to do something like that. Uh, With that said, I would be looking more so at Brevin Jordan and uh, not to skip likely, but, but Brevin Jordan is kind of like the scenario of what if Isaiah likely didn't have Mark Andrews ahead of him. Uh, Whereas, you know, if, 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 if Mark Andrews weren't there, I'd probably say likely, but because it's Pharaoh Brown that Jordan has to deal with. I like Jordan the most in the, in the meantime, Bates, I don't think is, you know, he's like less than Bellinger to me. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, Bates is, Bates is not someone who's ever uh, been seriously on my radar. That's a, that's a good point uh, on Brevin Jordan. And I'm like, I like him. I'm not a big win totals guy. Like I might take the over for whatever's posted for, for Houston. I don't think that they're going to be quite as bad as everyone thinks. Uh, it's tough for me to think that one through because I, I hate a lot of things about their team, but their offense yes. it has some players, I think. Um, Brevin Jordan, I mean, there's Brevin Jordan's a better prospect than like Greg Dulcich, you know, who went in the third round this year, so uh, likely is too. Um, but uh, I, I think that uh, you know, whether, whether the Texans are good or not, uh, Jordan could be a pretty good pick this year. And, you know, he's cheap enough. He can't really hurt you, even if he isn't uh, a steal in the end. Okay. And maybe this is just me being one of those annoying guys that likes to look at the lowest possible win total and be like, huh, well, maybe. Cause I, I, I kind of like Arizona Indiana this year. winning, winning three, uh, you know, so, so, you know, that that's kind of where my, my brain is um, currently. Um, Anything else you wanted to, to touch on here? I, I guess I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Mike Gesicki, you know, the the odds of him maybe getting moved before the season. That that sounded like it, it you know, it was bandied about a little bit on Twitter earlier this week as a possibility. Um, I, I think with all the receiving talent that, that Miami has, like it, it just kind of limits his his utility to a pretty decent extent and he's not your traditional tight end like that guy splits out wide or into the slot not in line um, a lot and he can't really offer a whole lot in the the way of being a legitimate uh, you know kind of standard function NFL tight end they they spent a draft pick on on Hunter Long uh, what last year yeah I think a late second or an early third and he's pretty good or at least as a prospect he had a lot of good indicators no for sure so uh, what what happens with Kosicki I don't know, man. I don't know why you would give a franchise tag to a guy that you don't want to make on your have on your final roster. It's confusing to me. Uh, Gesicki, I, I think, might just not be very good, and I'm not. I'm not trying to slam the door on him or anything. He's had some good moments, some good stretches. He's had some big games, certainly, 
And he is an insane athlete, whatever else might be true about him. He is an incredible athlete. Part of the issue, I think, is uh, he's just some of that athleticism comes at the expense of being basically too skinny. And I don't think he has the skill set to, to work around it as often as 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 much as you would reason uh, as much as you would usually expect a player of his athletic metrics to do like you would expect him to be like maybe the next Jimmy Graham or something, but he's more like the next Kobe Fleener. And part of that is he's kind of skinny. Uh, he's, he's like six, six two forty five or something like he's the golden tight end standard is of course, Albert Equigbenum and consider how, you know, Kasiki was considered like this next Jimmy Graham kind of athlete. Whereas Equigbenum people are just like, eh, well, whatever. I don't know. He's kind of whatever. It doesn't look as fast on the field to me, uh, but he's 11 pounds heavier than Gesicki and faster in the 40, you know? So it's like that 11 pounds matters. That that's that sets up a lot of football uh, matchups and, and determines a lot of the how, your your odds of winning them, you know? Especially the closer to the, to the offensive line you get in your uh, splits. So Gesicki is at once just a kind of a fake tight end and not a real receiver. And he he's, as a receiver, kind of dependent in the slot because if you put him outside, he's just going to get jammed up all the time. And if you put him in the slot, you're taking that rep away from, in Miami's case, you know, Jalen Waddle, which they can't stomach, understandably. No. So that's why I wouldn't have put the franchise tag on him if I was them. Uh, but uh, now I think they're just kind of stuck with him, even if they don't want him. And he signed the tag, so they have to pay him. So I, I think they're just kind of screwed. Uh, if, as far as a team that might take him and where he would fit best, I think pretty clearly the best fit for Gesicki would be the Chargers, but I don't know. Like they're not going to move Everett after signing him to a two-year, pretty well guaranteed deal. They kind of what already have the Giants. They kind of have, uh, sorry, Parham already is kind of whatever Gasicki would be to the Chargers. The Giants, mm. um, I think it would take away from the receivers, and they got Sterling Shepard coming back. Right. Uh, so I don't. I don't think there's anything there. Uh, I don't know. I. I maybe like Green Bay. I guess I. I really can't think of anything though, to be honest. Okay. All right. So those. those it's like it's got to be a awesome. team that has a little bit of an opening at tight end and more so a need for slot receiver reps, you know, and, and even mm-hmm. green Bay doesn't need that. Like that's where Lazard plays. So uh, yeah, I can't maybe, think it through. Yeah. That, that narrows down. Like, maybe the Rams candidates, maybe the Rams have a place slot receiver and, uh, I don't know, or like, you know, a narrow split outside receiver to, to set picks for cup or something. And then uh, before we get to the last thing, it, it's going to be uh, Rams related, a bit of interior design talk. Uh, Julia notes that my pull-up bar is down uh, this week. I did remember to, to take it down. I used it this morning and then uh, fresh in my memory, uh, got got rid of it. So uh, a dream catcher, I will be in the market for one of those to um, improve the uh, just general ambiance of maybe you could uh, get a the take cave. Or Ooh, or uh, Bob Pink Marley Floyd. smiling. Ooh. Pink Floyd poster, yeah. What about the cheeky, cheeky Pink Floyd poster? Wouldn't that be neat? Oh, that's the only one. <laughs> Correct. That's what I meant. <laughs> Indeed. Um, before we sign off here, Mario, who is Lance McCutcheon? Uh, I don't actually know, to be honest. I mean, I didn't. He was not on my radar going into the draft or even afterward. But he's this Montana uh, Montana State receiver who the Rams got undrafted this year. And uh, he's he's doing um, I don't know he's doing really well in the preseason with this with the exception of he had a catch late in their preseason their last preseason game and he was supposed to run out of bounds because the clock was running out in the fourth quarter and he uh, got tackled inbounds but he leads the league in receiving yardage through two preseason weeks and 
He was really productive at Montana State. And as an athlete, he's unremarkable, but certainly not bad. Not not bad enough that you would, you know, put a red flag on it or anything. So uh, that's that's interesting a little bit if he makes the team because they're really thin. They are so thin everywhere. I hate that roster, even though they just won a Super Bowl. Are you talking uh, about Tutu Atwell or the Rams? Uh, both. Uh, Tutu might have been an even better pick than um, what was it? Uh, Oh, there's some other one that was that was just off. Oh, I hate I hated that Kyron Williams pick. Mm. That's a total waste of time. Terrible scouting. Uh, but anyway, they they have zero depth at receiver behind Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson. Like Van Jefferson's questionable for Week One with his knee, which I feel like right. he had trouble with that in the past too. Um, so their fourth receiver is like Ben Scourneck, who played a lot of second and third receiver last year because of their previous depth issues. Uh, Scourneck is awful. Um, he plays a little bit different of a position than McCutcheon. So basically we need the Rams to kind of delete the Skowronek reps and give something more appropriate for McCutcheon. But if he keeps producing like he has, and if, if he, I mean, he's not going to make it to the practice squad, or at least I'd be surprised if he did. So I don't think they're going to cut him. And if the Rams need to complete a pass, McCutcheon is probably better than Skowronek. So we'll see. Otherwise Bryson Hopkins is for some reason, like they cut Kendall Blanton. They, they had Kendall Blanton playing ahead of Bryce, Bryson Hopkins the last two years, and he was like their starter in the playoffs. And then they cut him, and now they're going with just Hopkins all of a sudden after refusing to play him last year, even though he's the opposite kind of tight end as Blanton. I don't know what the Rams are doing with their personnel. It, it drives me insane, clearly. Uh, but McCutcheon could be really interesting if, say, you know, Van Jefferson were to miss any time, basically, because he could he could be their third receiver. Got it. So, so probably – not spending any redraft capital there, but you know, certainly on 30 round NFFC best ball, maybe, but otherwise just kind of like be, be a lot of these times these players pop up in, in redraft, you know, in the season. And there's, there's, there's people making big fab decisions on short notice. And there's, there's just hysteria in the media coverage of it because there's all these, you know, hot takes and just in all in, ill-informed people running their mouths about everything. And people kind of make scrambled, uh, irrational decisions just think of McCutcheon this way if he shows up in the playing time like if he starts getting playing time you have some reason to believe he might succeed and you might have some reason to go along with whatever fab it might take to get him uh he's he's not some bum basically if his name comes up got it okay all right good I'm glad that we were able to to touch on that I know he's been one of the buzzier guys this preseason but that's gonna wrap things up uh for today's episode of the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast, again, brought to you by our friends at Dynasty Owner. For Mario Puig, I'm John McCagney. Thanks for listening. Try Roadwire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try.